you're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy Side 55, Carlos Fonseca, Brad Miller, and Brian Reeves. Hey, guys. Hey. How you doing? Pretty good. It's Daytona week. We're finally here. Hooray. Boy, what a long off-season it's felt like. Yeah, really. I mean, the real guys are like, it's so short, and to me it felt so long. <laughs> Absolutely. So back to it. Uh, first NIS race is tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So uh, you guys running both of them or one of them? I'm probably only going to be able to run the late, the, the evening one. Yeah, I'm going to run the evening as well. Both. All right. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, so the first, uh, the week started off with a little kind of misunderstanding about when does the week start as far as practices and stuff. And there was a topic in the forum about, hey, when is uh, NIS practice really open? And so basically, uh, you know, there was some misunderstanding about what times, you know, uh, what did you guys see? I always thought it changed at eight. Yeah, I think I think with the way some of the series rolls off, I mean, if you're looking at straight NIS, I thought it was seven. But, you know, how some series started eight or eight fifteen or seven fifteen or whatever, some of them switch a little bit earlier than others just because of the time difference of when they start. Okay, so maybe that's what it was. It could be. I'm I didn't quite understand what they were talking about, but but either way, the the practices are open and racing tomorrow. Right. So going, right. To, going to sleep tonight will be like uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> All right. What's next, Brad? All right. We've got. Uh, the the frame rate uh, somebody posted on a forums uh, and if you're having any problems with your frame rate here here's what uh, the example they gave uh, when you cap your frame rate at the monitor's refresh rate you know, you tend to get a pulsing effect sometimes uh, it says it's much like when you you're playing two notes on a guitar that's slightly out of tune. So the reason is simple. You have a higher chance that the refresh rate of the graphics is going to ram randomly fall on either side of the refresh rate of the monitor. And that causes the video to bounce back and forth between early and late. Right. I've never had that problem. So... Carlos, I, I know you've capped your frames at a certain number. What number do you use? Wait, what? Uh, 
What what do you cap your frame rates at? Whatever my refresh is and I get screen tearing. Better than the better than uh the hell is it? Then it's stuttering weirdly if it's not. So you say on yours you actually have your cap matching your refresh rate. But what David Tucker was saying on the forums is that causes some kind of pulsing effect. And so he's saying you want to have the your frame rate cap at a different number than your refresh rate. Right, that's what it says. So, yeah, so when I saw this uh, forum post, it made me think of Carlos because I knew he capped his uh, at the same number as the refresh rate. So, Carlos, I guess the question is, do you feel like you, your, your video is pulsing at all? I mean, I've never actually experienced this, so I just kind of wanted to ask around about it. Not really. It's about the same in every game. I don't know. If I go to 61, it stutters. Go to 59, it's weird. So I have to be right at 60 or it's weird. What if you used 84 or whatever? Wait, what? What if you put your frame rate cap at like 84, even though your monitors are 60 hertz? It stutters weirdly. Okay. Wow, so that kind of defeats what this guy wrote. Yeah, I'm curious after reading this, you know, what is the right way to run this, you know? Are you supposed to have your cap on? Is it supposed to be higher or lower than your refresh rate? And by how much? Well, one of the other things, too, is, is it could be uh, whether you run AMD or not or just a certain video card you have may... may uh, intensify this or lessen it yeah one poster in the forums uh Cyril Kalo from France he runs 144 hertz monitor G-Sync and he read that he uh, to cap at 138 actually right below uh what his refresh rate actually is uh he also read that a primary number would work best he said he captures it currently at 131, and it's working great. Yeah, I don't cap mine, so mine bounces all over, all over the place. So, uh, I'm, but I've never experienced that stutter. Okay. Neither have I. I mean, my my laptop, I was running that uncapped, and I was getting about 90, you know, 80 to 90 frames. On running it on a 60 hertz TV, and wasn't having any problems. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see if uh, anyone else posts any good information in there about that. But it seems like uh, it seems like most of the people on the post are, are are capping at a different number than their refresh rate. So. I'll have to look at mine. I'm not even certain now that I think about it, which ones I have, how mine is set up. All right, next up, uh, Paul Jennings, uh, an iRacer who frequents uh, Facebook a lot. He's real busy on a lot of the Facebook groups. Um, he sent us a comment. I appreciate the comment, Paul. Uh, so I'm going to read it here. And... Uh, 
So we'll talk about it. He says, good show, guys. I heard you talking about real-world drivers using iRacing like Indy Lights driver Dalton Kellett of Andretti Autosport. He said Dalton has already been running in the IndyCar league that I'm a part of called Indy Elite Series. Uh, my main focus on iRacing is the two official IndyCar series. And he also notes that this season he has also raced against AJ Allmendinger, Kyle Larson, Simon Paginaud as well. So I didn't know that Dalton Kellett, uh, well, we obviously knew he was on iRacing, but obviously he's involved in this league is what Paul Jennings is pointing out. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it, 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 I don't I do not do much of the IndyCar stuff, so I, I wouldn't run across him, but, but we see the NASCAR guys in, in NASCAR every now and then. I mean, uh, uh, who was it? Denny Hamlin ran quite a few races in the offseason. Yep. Yeah, he's on a team down too. And... Uh, uh, Carlos and I have practiced with Parker Kligerman in uh, the Can-Am series um, and several others. Yep. What's next? Okay. They've got... Uh, uh, here's a Ferrari update. Uh, we finally got a visit with the car. And uh, uh, Steve Myers posted a picture of the race car and it looks uh really good sporty yeah they're it's a real race car a real race shop they're in and uh wow yeah this thing looks amazing i can't wait for them to scan it and get it in here yeah i really wanted to use the words badass but i don't know if i should but that that pretty much sums it up for me Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's actually two Ferraris in the picture. And the paint jobs are incredible. And I'm kind of looking around at the shop in general. Tile floor, you know, and everything looks real clean and uh, typical Ferrari. But uh, pretty cool, you know, that they, they're getting their hands on it. And uh, I'm sure getting all the pictures and, and information they need. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait to get that car. And it has a certain sound to it, if I remember right. Yeah, isn't this the uh, second turbo Ferrari they've ever made? Right. Yeah, it's got a unique sound, so it'll be interesting how they, how they deal with that. and Will it sound like the other cars, or will it sound a little different, you know, as you're racing around it? Well, doesn't a Ferrari run like a V10 or V12? And I'm not, I'm just guessing, but I, I'm that I have that in my mind for some stupid reason. Long stroke V8s. Okay, they may have at one point probably. Yeah, pretty cool. So the other uh, news from iRacing is uh, they did a surprise announcement. They're adding the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Bullring track. It'll be coming in uh, Season 2 build in March. And they released uh, some, some high-resolution photos of the track and even cars on the track. So did I you guess, guys see this? 
I did. This is the uh, track that uh, Kyle Bush and Kurt Bush started out as kids. Well, Looks like a quarter kid. mile. Uh, I think it says it's a three-eighths. Three-eighths, okay. Yeah, and it looks like there's a little bit of banking in the corners. And even some banking on the straights, too. Just visually, I can see it. But, uh, yeah, no safer walls is another thing I noticed. Uh, like a typical NASCAR track. and. Anyway, uh, it kind of reminds me of South Boston a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one like that's almost a perfect circle. That's or not a perfect circle, but you know, a little bit of an odd shape, but still almost a perfect circle if you run the right line. And it's I can't put my finger on what the track is, but it reminds me of it so much. But some of these pictures are amazing. I love the night shot with the two tracks in the background. Right. You're not talking about Oxford, are you? Because that is a circle, pretty much. <laughs> Lanier. Lanier, it's one of those. I can't quite remember it. I ran it a few seasons back, and I can't quite place my finger on it anymore, but there's something similar to this, and I, I had a lot of fun there. I'd love to get on this one. So, yeah, Brad, you referenced seeing the other tracks in the background. What is that about? There's, there's one of these images. I think it's image six has uh, the picture of the bull ring and then has the big Vegas track in the background all lit up. So does that mean if I already own the big Las Vegas track, I get this one for free because they're in the same place? It's not inside of it. It's outside the complex, but you can see the other complex all lit up and rendered. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're kind of really close together, kind of like uh, Charlotte's... Um, um, dirt track is to the mile and a half. I see. If you ever looked at an aerial shot of that place, a lot of times for the 600 when they do the blimp shot, they'll have the lights lit up at the dirt track too. Pretty cool. Uh, it'd be kind of neat if I was at the big Vegas track and I could like go up to the blimp shot and look over and see cars running at the bull ring or something like that <laughs> yep it'd be neat if they connected them in some way you know like if you like the sim could see if you bought both tracks the bull ring and lvms and if you own both of them it somehow connects them <laughs> it'd be cool to see like another race going on at the same time while you're at vegas and seeing this short track race going on if you had both tracks yeah, you just move the camera over there and you know like the same split but you know two different series interesting yeah you could figure out which one's the better race and watch whichever one <laughs> yep all right uh next up twitter uh we get a lot of our r racing news off twitter and um one of the twitters put up is Broadcast in the big iRacing Daytona 500. And um, they're actually broadcasting when RaceSpot is going to uh, do their broadcast of the 500. It'll be Friday night, actually, is what they've decided. So not Wednesday night, but Friday night. I'm not sure why they picked Friday, but... Maybe that's the busiest 500 out of all of them. I'm not sure. It'll probably be close. 
you, I don't know. I, I think the fixed for the first race will be heavy traffic. I think there will be a lot of people sign up tomorrow. 500 plus? Could be. There was over 300 in the very first trucks. Yeah, well, there was one this afternoon that had 215 in it. I mean, that's... I, I think not only us, but I think most people that do a lot of eye racing or chomping at the bit for Daytona. Yeah, obviously. And the 500 always draws other drivers that are not necessarily involved in the NIS series, you know, so. Right. The, the Carb Cup guys and people like that and all the hosted people, you know, that run hosted oval. Right. Uh, the other thing on Twitter that was interesting is uh, iRacing tweeted out a cover picture of a magazine uh grassroots motorsports magazine and uh sim racing uh well i racing is on the cover basically with uh uh, uh the mazda and uh the title is is sim racing real racing question mark is the title so um and the subtitle online racers are making the transition from pixels to pavement and winning and i think it has a uh, the the magazine is a story about the racer glenn mcgee who who crossed over to and won that mazda uh racing contest thing yeah but there uh, there's there's really been a lot of other people that have that have done that in the past i mean you know, um, who was the guy that drove for Junior at, at Richmond um, and did very well? Does anybody remember his name? Oh, he runs Junior Motorsports. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Jose is in a series with him. Yeah, he doesn't have any sponsorship, so he can't. He doesn't have a ride. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like. Brad Keselowski got noticed doing uh, online racing in, in another game from Junior. I mean, that's how he got started. I mean, yeah. Well, interesting when we get press. Uh, so we got a magazine cover there. What's next, Brad? All right. Uh, February 21st maintenance. That's what happened this morning. Um some of the things that they the popcorn fx uh fixed an issue where dark dust was appearing on some tracks i saw that i kind of liked it i thought they meant for it to happen like that uh eac warning messages anti-cheats uh fixed an issue with packages that are three levels deep in the directory structure that could cause a eac failure uh, they list a few other things that they, they fixed uh, with, the, with the Porsche 911 templates updated uh, uh, fixed issue with seat uh, some other things that I really don't understand with the water pressure display uh, yeah just little stuff yeah it's just just a hodgepodge of little things that they fix in fact it was a very very small update really so yep 
But after working all night and planning on coming home and putting my driver's shoes on and going racing for a while before I went to bed this morning, I was mad that they had the site down. But but you can do the test drive thing, right? I could. I wanted to race. You know, I've only had a chance to do the test drive thing like once. And it's so fun to get in a car you don't own and drive it, especially like those real old ones they have, the old legend cars. Uh, I may I have to think try, of it. I may have to try that out sometime. Then I've never done that. Yeah. So when it's in the when they're deploying like that and the test drive thing is live, you can pick any car, any track, and run it. I've never tried that either. I would need to try that next time they do a maintenance here. It's pretty cool to try. Uh, I'm trying to think of that car I don't own that I really liked. One of the old F1 cars. Real oh, the 49? Old. The 49, right. It's an open wheel kind of car, and it's got a huge motor, and it won't turn at all because there's no downforce. Oh, you got to force it to turn. <laughs> That's the kind of car you got to throw it to the wind and hope for the best. What's that other car that looks like a a bike ramp that you had all the that down for? 39? Or no? no, that new road car that they put out from the 70s. I think they put it out last summer. You bought it. Oh, from the late 80s? <laughs> yeah, it was an old IMSA car or something. Yeah, the Camel GT. Oh, is that what the it was? Nissan? The one with all the downforce looks like yeah. a ramp. It has all the downforce in the world until you get under 50 miles an hour. It's aero downforce, right? Yep. Now, what's the name of that car? Was it the Nissan GTP or was it ZXT? Okay. Yeah. So just like that. I mean, I don't own that car. I've heard about it. I'd love to try it. And you can if you go into this test drive thing when they're deploying an update. You'll probably want to buy it. Yeah, that's a really fun car. There's a couple that I don't own that I want to go try. All right. Next up, uh, Eric Hag, I think is how you say his name, uh, has posted up. Uh, the new NASCAR iRacing Series logo uh, that actually sports the new updated NASCAR logo within it. Because so over the offseason, NASCAR actually changed the look of their logo. And um, it's like a different font. And then you know how the logo has little color stripes before it? But those are a little bit different too. So, well, that's the new NASCAR logo in general, right? Anyway, so he updated our NIS logo to reference the new NASCAR logo, and he got a high res version available on the website uh, or on the forum post. I actually swiped it already and put it on our Tafosi page. Uh, looks really cool. Yeah, it looks really, really good. I can't wait to see the awesome cars in the field. Yeah, that'd be kind of neat to incorporate into your paint job. Yeah, I never thought of that.
All right, uh, more news about dirt, Brad? Yeah, uh, I am looking it up right now. In the Truck Series, Season 2, Week 27, Eldora Speedway is on the schedule. It'll be 60 laps. Dirt confirmed. <laughs> we'll have uh, double file restarts, Lucky Dog, uh, full course cautions, dynamic weather. That uh, that will be pretty pretty cool. Yep. So I mean, the track isn't even released. It is a dirt track, but it's on the schedule within the next three months. So that means it has to be coming in the next build. Yep. Yeah, I, th I think they're actually really close. I think they're just wanting to make sure they've got all their I's dotted and T's crossed and ready to roll. Yep. That's, that's my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week. Uh, you know, a lot of people are testing dirt and beta. You know, we saw Ron Caps last week running it at his house. and But there's a lot of people out there that have it, you know. And as beta testers, and uh, so, yeah, they're real close. So it's got to be because it's actually scheduled now. Then it's imminent. You know, it's going to be in the next build, which is March, which is coming up real soon. Yep. All right. Next is uh, Hammer Time, John Hammer. Uh, we talked about him uh, and his team. Uh, partnering up with Matt Busa and his team, and they were going to have a Facebook page for the NASCAR iRacing series. They're also hosting a race every Tuesday night, and it starts like in three minutes from now, so I guess we're missing it. But uh, it's in hosted, and that's why he couldn't be here tonight because he's organizing that. But it's a hosted, uh, you know, NIS like race. And they're actually going to have a commentator and broadcasting on YouTube. Uh, I was supposed to do something with that, but I didn't have time today. Yeah, so, and I think they're planning on doing this every Tuesday, and it's supposed to be like a practice race kind of thing. So, uh, check it out. Or at least you wanted me to do like live commentating in that race tonight or whatever. You know, for well, like a guide of the of the lap, I guess, but I don't, I don't know what was up with that, but I didn't have time today. Yeah. So that's happening. Uh, let's see what's next. Uh, the rule book. Uh, I race a member Verk Klausk. Vern. Uh, Vern. Okay. There's a K there. Uh, posts a poll about the sporting codes. He says it's amazing how many times people ask questions in a race practice or in the forums that are clear, clearly answered in the sporting codes. All right. So let's be honest. Have you guys read the entire sporting code? Honestly, no, I have not. I haven't either. I would say most of it. I, I probably have read more than half of it, but 
I think there's a thing where, you know, you're a race fan. You, you feel like you know what you're doing or you've been racing and you know what you're doing. And so you're reading this stuff like it's kindergarten kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, I know all this stuff. And so you right. feel like you don't need to read it, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think I've read it all, kind of. But when you get to those parts like, oh, I know this, you kind of skip over that part and go to the next. Yeah, you skim through it. You read the stuff that is new in particular to this, you know, as far as their rules and regs and their sporting code. But, you know, the general stuff as far as coming on track and all that, you generally know. But, you know, I thumb through it. I need to go back again because it's been over a year since I've even looked at it. I like how they referenced Kimmy Raikkonen in the poll. This is no part A. Leave me alone in the next ones. I know what I'm doing. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I was watching that race when he did that. That was really cool. <laughs> so looking at the results of the poll, the winner of the poll was, have you read all the, so the poll is, have you read all or part of the sporting code? And so the winning answer is yes, I have when I joined, 46%. Yeah, that's when I read it. I haven't been back to it. Right. So that was what, five years ago? And then the next best answer, 13%, yes, and the release notes too. And then the third answer, 11%, yes, most of it. I think that's what we answered. Yeah, I've read most of it. But I go through and read most of the release notes as well. Or people listen to our podcast, and that's how they get their release notes. I mean, there's other ways of getting, digesting the information, you know, besides reading it. You know, I, I, I'm not... A few minutes ago from the little release this morning... Eh, it's a bunch of stuff we don't really need to be concerned about little stuff i mean you can tell by looking at it that you don't need to really be concerned about what it is you know it's back in stuff or it's cosmetic or something like that you know right okay we are going to be a short podcast tonight because uh, we just did one Saturday, but we're going to be trying to do this every Tuesday uh, going forward so we can uh, discuss the upcoming race as well as the week in review as far as... Uh, so next Tuesday, we'll be covering how we ran at Daytona. And uh, before we get into our last topic, let's talk a little bit about I-rating and divisions. Uh, my understanding is division cutoff was at the beginning of... The new season, which started last night, what, 8 p.m. Eastern. So where do you guys stand? Uh, did you make the division you wanted to be in? I, I do believe I'm in Division 2. I got a 32-52 I rating. I, I, have no, I have no idea what the cutoff is. Last year it was 3,500. I assume it's still the same, but uh, it does say Division 2 for me at the moment. Uh, I think mine still says Division One. I'm a 3550-something. Well, that's where you're at then for the season. I don't know where I am. I'm way down at the bottom. I'm at 1200, so I will be down at the bottom. Let me see if I can find where I am. With the go, to, 
the how, how you look it up is go to like a open or a fixed go to stats of that and then look at what division is listed above the all, everybody's stats i'm in division six in a open so there you go you're in six for the year so brian you have a great chance being in six to win a, a divisional championship in my opinion so good luck i i don't know if i have a chance in division two brad you I'm just going to say, you, you don't have a hell of a chance at all in Division 1. <laughs> I know. I know. But see, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to tell you that last year I was in Division 2, and I finished fifth in the season. There's your benchmark. Well, so I have to do fifth or better? Yeah. Got to beat me. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. Now, not this last year, but in 2015, I finished top 20 overall in NIS points open, even though I was Division Two that year. So, yeah, interesting. We'll have to see how it shakes out. Uh, so people understand the normal seasons that run 13 weeks, 12 weeks long, that switch every 13 weeks, your division resets after those 13 weeks to whatever your, you know, your current I rating is at that moment. But for the NIS race, the NIS season, NASCAR I racing season, it's based on what you are before the week of Daytona. And it's going to stay that way until we get to Homestead next fall. And so even though your I rating may go up and down throughout the year, you'll still be scored in that division you started in. Yeah, I'm checking mine right now to see if I'm in one or two. Um, I got one little uh, warning for people. I was in a race earlier today, and a guy overshot his pits. He said he backed up like three feet, and it uh, black flagged him for cutting the course. He, uh, I think he had to stay in the pits for like a minute and 20 seconds or something like that. A heck of a penalty. Ouch. Yeah, that that's a stiff penalty for rolling through the box a little. Yep. Well, three boxes, that's quite a bit. That's three feet, wasn't it? Three feet. Oh, he rolled through three feet. I thought you said three boxes. Yeah, yeah so that's three only feet. about half a car. Yeah, three boxes. Yeah, I'd call for a penalty then. <laughs> I mean, I think now, I've done that. I've missed my box once, and I backed up on pit road and got a black flag. I mean, that had to be yep. a glitch or something, because why would he be a cut track for backing up? Yeah, that I haven't heard other people having that problem, so I'm sure that's happened, you know, that happens often. Right. And and the other thing of it too is is now I was racing and that's what he said. It could have been a car length and a half that he backed up really. I, I I'm just going by what he said, but you guys be careful. That is a stiff, stiff that's almost unrecoverable. Well, it reminds me of the clash where they parked Kyle Larson for the race because one too many men went over the wall. That's a stiff penalty for uh, too many men over the wall. I mean, you're parked, you're done, go pack it up and go home. Yeah, that's stupid, I think, but it's their rules, I guess. Yep. So ready for the new season here. All right, let's jump into final topic. Uh, 
David Tucker uh, from iRacing, guru, uh, has been, he, he got a post going here about virtual reality and motion cockpits. Are they a good mix? And I'm not going to read everything he wrote here, but uh, I'm going to paraphrase. He's basically saying it might not be a good mix. They might offset each other, so to speak. Because some of the the visual things that happen when you're wearing Oculus Rift goggles are the same thing that's being simulated when you're in a motion rig and it's moving your butt around, you know, or pushing against your back or sliding you to one side or the other, you know. And having both of those effects going at the same time will either offset each other or provide you know, too much input to you and, and, and literally mess you up. And so that's the kind of my takeaway after reading what he wrote about that. What do you guys think? I don't know how motion would do with it. I know people do use motion with it. I've seen people do it. I watched a guy do a demo of one when I went to the Rolex 24. Um, it's doable if you have a good setup. I don't know how some of the the smaller stuff with just the seat move would sim would translate to the motion with the Oculus all that well. I think you just kind of get bounced around and mess your vision up. What he says here is, our current thought is the acceler accelerometers in the VR headsets are actively being used even when the tracking cameras are locked on. So any motion of the rig is bound to send conflicting data to the tracking software, even if the camera is mounted to the rig itself. Basically getting shaken around is going to confuse the rift. I see what you're saying now. I guess that could be a problem, but... I think my problem is not having the money to afford the toys like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the real problem. How do I get twenty five grand to get a motion cockpit? Yeah, really. Well, yeah. I I just thought it was interesting. It never occurred to me that these two things might not mix well until I read this. So it is fascinating. I can get where they're coming from. I mean, if you have a rig with retraction loss and the whole rig yaws, it's going to throw your center of head off the body and out of the car about a foot or, you know, however much the rig moves at the back where you're sitting. So it's, I can see where they're going to have some kind of issue with it. Right. So, one, uh, so I'll go on to read a little bit more about what he says they could do about it. My thought is the VR companies could make a second tracking pod that you could attach to the frame of your rig that provides accelerometer data and is tracked by the camera as well. This would have two benefits. It would let you mount your tracking cameras to the floor of your environment. It would allow you to completely isolate the motion of your head relative to the motion of the platform. I so part, yeah, part of how the Oculus works is the Oculus understands where your head is turning relative to the room around it. Yeah, it knows where your head is centered and then knows what you're doing forward, backward, side to side from that center point. If that center point is constantly moving side to side, forward, back, it's going to throw a lot of different stuff at you while you're wearing it. Right. 
I know so, I, I have to constantly recenter after a couple of laps when I do a pit or something and I'm reaching around getting a drink of water or something like that and I recenter and kind of get back in the seat. I always have to hit the recenter button because I'm always off axis a little bit. So the recenter button, is that a button you map for iRacing or something? Yeah, it's a it's a map that it's a map button that I have to the wheel that just it recenters the head immediately. So you just look forward and hit the recenter button, and it automatically puts you back square. And what if you have your head cocked to the left when you push the button? What happens then? Recenters it wherever you were looking. Okay. So I see how this would be a problem if the rig is the thing you're sitting on and you're sitting in is constantly moving around from side to side. It doesn't know where center is, right? Yeah, I could see where that would be the problem is. Because I know, like, just kind of adjusting in the rig, you you adjust at just like you would be. I mean, it's it's tracking you. So if your whole base is moving and it doesn't know the base is moving, it's going to try to adjust you while you're not trying to adjust. Yep. Well, usually when there's a problem like this, there's some little guru going to figure it out. Just takes time. Well, you, you can do it. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I watched somebody on an Oculus run a full, it was like a, a four or five axis where y'all pitched, roll, everything. And it it was amazing. And it was it was running Oculus fine. I don't know how they had it all set up, but they had it running really well. It was the Wayne Taylor setup, so of course it's going to run perfect. But Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Somebody will figure out how to do it and then somebody will post about how you do it. And... It's got to be a real small population of people that have a motion rig and are eye racers and have VR goggles. Yeah, I don't know what the what the percentage of people who actually have it. I remember there was a poll I saw a couple months ago where it's only like 15 or 20% of the population of eye racing, you know, have one. What, goggles? Yeah, I believe Right, and now how many people have motion rigs? Even a lower number, right? Yeah, and then you cut it down from there. So you're probably looking at, you know... 3%, 1%, something crazy. Yeah, yeah. a couple thousand people. Yeah. All right, so that's final topic. Let's get into final thoughts. Carlos, you're up first. Always. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I got nothing. I thought you were doing a track guide for Daytona. Oh. For, for what, them guys? I don't know. Are you doing track guides this year? What's up with that? Well, if you consider... Well, yeah, I am with Busa and them guys. Okay, cool. It should be out by tomorrow. So hopefully we'll see this. It'll hopefully be up by then. All right, and you're just running open this year, Carlos, or that's what you said? Open with, like, three fixed, I think. I'm going to try to do both, at least one start a week. All right, Brad, final thoughts? I don't know. I, I guess I got about nothing. I, I'm just ready for Daytona. Uh, let's go. I'm going to run a race here in another 45 minutes. I'm ready. 10-4 there. I'm ready, too. It's been a turbulent off-season at Tifosi. Well, I, would, I don't know, maybe a quiet off-season, I should say. But uh, 
I'm ready for us to kick back into gear. Brian Reeves, what do you got for a final thought? Ready for the new NIS season to start. Had a lot of fun. I ran Phoenix all weekend. I ran A, B, and C. You know, came out with a fourth in one of them. Had a lot of fun. Got my new wood rig all set up and squared and had a lot of fun in it. Need to figure out something with this seat because it's uncomfortable as all get out, but it's a hand-me-down. But ready for everything to kick off. Real excited. Yeah, I saw that pictures you put up of the rig. It looked really nice. Uh, it's just basically a place for you to mount your pedals and the steering wheel, right? Yeah, I, d I got the, the wheel mounted up and mounted the pedals at an angle. And then I had a I do upholstery work for a living, so I have always a random seat laying around. I just bolted one up that a friend had laying in my attic for a couple of years. And then I built a real nice armrest and through mounted the TH8A shifter in a real nice spot that's comfortable and made it real nice so it's all nice and comfy and I have a nice shelf and everything. But the, uh, you're going to do a different seat, like a different angle or something? Yeah, I'll just get a cheap one off of eBay that reclines that actually has some cushion. This is a this is an old Momo mono seat that uh, doesn't recline and all the foams collapse. I'm just sitting on bare fiberglass. Right. I, well, uh, it looked pretty sharp from the pictures. I built my own rig and uh, made it out of wood. And uh, I went to the junkyard and got a seat for 50 bucks out of a PT Cruiser. Reclines, nice cushion. I could sit in here for a long time and not get uncomfortable. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I need to go to the local pick and pull and grab a seat. I've got a rolly chair that I'm going to put one on and make an office chair as well, so I need to go find a couple of good seats. I've got a bunch here, but they're all junk. Nothing I want to recover and make look nice. Yep. All right, my final thoughts is. Finally, we're here, Daytona. Uh, excited to see how real NASCAR plays out. I actually work on Sundays, so I'm going to miss the race. <laughs> Dang it. But it'll be interesting to see how these segments work. And it'll be interesting to see if this is anything that we want to take to iRacing. You know, we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, but, you know, do we want segments in iRacing? You know, do we want the five-minute clock for repairs on pit road in iRacing? Uh, do we want, you know, a different point system like they have in NASCAR in iRacing? So those are all open questions in my mind at this point. Um, is it even possible to bring these kind of things in iRacing? Is it going to work out even for NASCAR? Are these, you know, changes going to keep? It seems like the last five or six years, you know, NASCAR is constantly changing everything. And I don't even know how iRacing expect, expected to keep up. Uh, Steve Myers had posted on Twitter uh, uh, an answer to a question about, hey, how long is it going to take to get the Monster Cup Energy uh, logos out there on all the tracks and get rid of the Sprint Cup Series, you know, logos. And he indicated, you know, hey, this takes money and time and people and resources to change those things out, you know, and and we're not going to get it done right away kind of thing. And so we'll see, you know, lots of un unanswered questions. Uh, that's my final thought. You know, I actually do have a final thought. I just thought of it. Uh, I wished iRacing would really look into the uh, 
the caution thing. Uh, when they, they throw a caution and three or four guys spin off the track and they throw the caution, uh, maybe it's just me, but I feel that they ought to uh, go to the tail end of the field instead of while you're right under caution with two laps to go. They get to come back up and get their spots again. I, I kind of think that's a little bit of bull. Yeah, they need to blend in where they blend in, you know, or like you said, to the rear. Yeah, or or where they start, you know, getting back on the track or whatever. But but yeah, it can't be that hard to figure that out, you know. You're right. But yeah, there's still stuff like that that's still outstanding. On top of these new changes that NASCAR has just announced for this new 2017 season, so. You know, what's the priority? Do we need to fix stuff like Brad's referring to that's been broken forever? Uh, do we need to do that first? You know, do we need to to get segments in place, you know, f right now, to, you know, for all the new racers coming in, you know, who want to race the NASCAR series like the NASCAR boys do? I mean, there's lots of uh, questions. I'm, it'll be curious how they answer it. Right. All right, well, good luck uh, and Godspeed at Daytona, guys. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel, at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook, at iRacers Lounge, and SoundCloud, at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.